Today's episode of the DC3Cast is brought to you by Comixology. Immerse yourself in over 20,000 digital comic books, graphic novels, and manga titles from over 125 publishers with Comixology. Our first-in-class exclusive guided view technology provides an unparalleled immersive and cinematic reading experience for readers. Purchase a la carte titles or start a monthly unlimited account to save 15% on select publishers. Still not sold? Try an unlimited subscription free for 30 days and see why thousands of readers trust Comixology for both classic and new releases from DC, Image, Marvel, and more. talks about music from the 20 years ago or whatever that's the official name of the show nobody will get mad at us <laughs> nobody will get mad at us uh, i'm they brian shouldn't because this is all bonus content I we bleed for you freaks yeah anyway i'm brian with me as always is zach and vince uh today we're talking about 2004 in music uh so let's just do a little refresher here uh in 2004 i was 22 years old vince how old were you I wasn't expected to be asked this. I was 17. Okay. 17. And Zachy? I I turned 15 that year. Okay. So um, I was uh, just – I graduated from college in uh, May. I got my first job in June, my first apartment in July. It was, it was, a, it was a big year for me. Is this, is this a, a big year when you look back on your lives, or is it just uh, kind of a, you know – passing teenage year for you folks it was kind of a big year for me yeah not 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 especially for me it was junior year of high school i can't think of anything like momentous other than like i I was applying for colleges i think at that point and i don't know that nothing sticks out zach why is it so big for you um well okay so i'm trying to track here 2004 so it it was a big year um because we kind of um this is like so this is like really getting into like the weird deep recesses of my life but we like we my family moved from like a small church that we had gone to for like most of our lives to like a much bigger church in a like bigger city um that was like 15 minutes away from us and so i basically got like a completely new friend group that year um which was like very influential on my entire development as like a teenager so it was a pretty big year okay um, since it was a big year for you, why don't you give us your first of three albums that you had in heavy rotation back in 2004? Okay, so I didn't listen. I was I have like really struggled. This is probably like my least interesting year that we're gonna cover. Um, I was I'm not like super excited to talk about any of these. One one more so than the rest. 
Um, I, I was listening mostly to the stuff that had come out like 2002, 2003 at this point. Um, but I guess looking at albums that came out that year, I'm going to continue my trend of starting off with a uh, a soundtrack. I think I started with a soundtrack last time. I can't, I can't remember, but I'm going to include a soundtrack and that's the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack. Yes. What would have been like the big the big song off that soundtrack? Oh, I mean definitely the Dashboard Confessional Vindicated for sure. That was my uh that was my introduction to Dashboard Confessional. Um so so definitely that one. This makes um, me a but, bad a bad everything. I had no idea there was a Dashboard song on that soundtrack and I saw that movie at least that twice was like in the, the theater. That was like the lead song. Um I have no rem- I, no memory of that at all. Wow. Yeah, yeah, um, and it was like an original track for the movie. Um, it was like that, and there was a train song. I think that were like the two like headliners for the for the soundtrack. Which, gosh, I hate Train. I didn't. I didn't even. I can at least say I didn't even like Train then. Um, <laughs> so, but I mean, the rest of the album was like just you know cream of the crop of mid 2000s emo punk bands uh you know you had your your taking back sundays you had your you had your hoopa stank <laughs> you had um the ataris um so yeah that was uh that that was uh a uh, an immediate purchase and was definitely on heavy rotation that year for me now l- l- let me ask you a question about about sort of the the emo punk stuff that you're talking about here. Um, as as you've mentioned on this show tonight, you know your your parents are are church going folk. H- how did they feel about you listening to these uh, these bands? They were, must, they, were they aware they of it? Like, I don't think so. I don't know. It wasn't. It was so there were CDs that we listened to in the car. And there were CDs that I listened to in my three CD changer in my bedroom. And that was one that stayed in the three CD changer. (laughs) Um, um, But yeah, I don't, I mean, like there weren't like any, there weren't like any bad words or anything in it. Um, So it was like, whatever, I don't know. They didn't care. Um, I and I, I should clarify, Sorry, it was very much like emo pop punk. Right, I, right. You have the pop is in there too. It oh, was sure. not. I was not listening to edgy things. <laughs> Although I don't know if you guys saw my tweet the other day. I woke up just randomly having Chevelle send the pain below stuck in my head <laughs> last week, and I haven't listened to that song since probably 2004. So uh, it was really weird. Um, speaking of, of three disc changers, did I ever tell you guys about my CD player from high school? No. So I worked at a. It was movie- a jukebox, right? <laughs> uh, very funny. Almost though. <laughs> Almost though. So uh, I, I worked at a movie theater that was owned by, like, the, it, it, its parent corporation was the cable company local to us, and they also owned a chain of. Um, like uh, appliance slash electronic stores called Nobody Beats the Wiz, and one of <laughs> that's really what it was called. I swear to God, it's called Nobody Beats the Wiz. You look up commercials on it. It's the Wiz. It's the Wiz. I'm the Wiz, Seinfeld. and nobody beats me. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's from Seinfeld. Yes, the one the one mentioned from Seinfeld is is the was it's real. Anyway, so um, 
because it was owned by the same corporation, if you brought a pay stub in, you got like I it was it was such an insane discount that my father insisted on coming with me because he didn't believe it was real. And he was like, You're gonna walk in there with fifty bucks in your pocket and you you're gonna say, you know, I get I think it was like sixty percent off. And he's like, you're gonna say this, and they're gonna laugh at you. So I'm gonna be there to, to bail you out if I need to, because you're not gonna have enough money for this. And so I went there looking for a new stereo, and it was. I showed him my pay stub, and I got sixty percent off, and it was already on clearance. So I had a one hundred disc changer <laughs> in my <Very> bedroom, nice. <laughs> which oh was gosh. so absurd. But I could. I, it cost like I want to say it cost like sixty dollars after all the discounts. So I had a hundred disc changer in my bed in my bedroom. Yes. Nice, that's great. awesome. That's pretty great. Um, so anyway, so, okay, so so that is that is your first pick, the Spider-Man Two soundtrack. Vince, what is your first pick? Um, Zach, you mentioned Taking Back Sunday, so let's go. Let's go with Taking Back Sunday, where you want to be. Um, I too, kind of at this point in my life, discovered that type of music and was listening to a ton of it. But this album is one that, um. I put it on to listen to it for this show and probably the first time in like 10 years that I'd heard it. I could see myself still listening to, to that album um, today because I think like, yeah, it's, it's emo. Some of the lyrics are a little, some of the, some of the lyrics are a little uh, whiny or cliche, you know, but I think like overall the sound is just this um, mix between like a, a very mellow and that, that, that very poppy, catchy thing that that really it's it still works no matter what age you are. Like the sound of it works, it, and it's but it's also like going home. It's very nostalgic for me, and um, I think that you know this is one like the Ataris. I probably have not listened to in fifteen years, and probably wouldn't, even though I was into that back then but i, I think I, I could see this all these melodies still very much stuck with me it's a very melodic melodic effort on their part um and yeah and they were on the spider-man soundtrack too so they were that there was a song from that album on there yes yep i mean that was that whole spot like spider-man 2 was uh a thing right oh, like yeah. that, that was its whole subculture that was a whole subculture i think i yes i think so too <laughs> the music just liking superhero movies it was it was like the best superhero movie so far mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that had been put out you know it's still and, one and of the better ones i'd say still one of the better ones for sure yeah yeah so i i was i was bumping taking back sunday a lot that year uh, you guys are gonna laugh at me for this. I, I think that I could not name one Taking Back Sunday song. I'm sure I've heard them. Can't name one. Yeah, I'm sure you have though. Just by like oh, I'm sure vicinity. I have. I'm sure I have. Yeah, I'm sure I even liked one or two. Mm-hmm. It seems fine. Um. All right, well, my first album is um. So uh, this is something that I feel like is is not going to surprise either of you necessarily. Um, but I feel like when, when I was 21, 22, I was at like the prime age and whatever to be like a music snob and an insufferable music snob. And so because of that, 
I got interested in some things that like no 22 year old in 2004 should ever really be into. And one of those things was when I was in college, I got really into the great unfinished Beach Boys album Smile. And in 2004, Brian Wilson finally finished Smile and released it uh, as a CD. And so uh, Brian Wilson's Smile is, is my first pick. I listen to this all the time. I still think it's really good. It it would have been way better if it had been recorded before he had a nervous breakdown and before his voice failed him and all of that. But it's, uh, it, it's a pretty revolutionary piece of music still. And um, while I have not sat down and listened to this album in quite some time i i I think it's a really fun really important album both like both important with like a lowercase i in my life and a capital i in the world of music in general like this album specifically the failure of this album i think defined the beach boys forever and defined brian defines brian wilson to this day um but it's it's excellent and it's it's very nerdy and it's very uh, questionable in places, but but I, I think it's still ultimately really good. And uh, yeah, that's my first pick. Zach, what's your second? So my second pick um, is Green Day's American Idiot. You were a political um, boy, okay? So this so this album was very important to me for a, a number of reasons. So. Number one, like this was the first album that this album was of the a, a lot of firsts for me. Like one, it was kind of my introduction to like music criticism, I guess, or like the the fact that there were people out there who reviewed music and talked about if albums were good or not, um, because that album got a lot of praise and was a very big deal and i read and saw a lot of that and so that kind of introduced me to music criticism and like and the the the, that whole area to it yeah it was extremely political and i was you know not necessarily like a political boy you know i grew up in a very you know pretty pretty or like pretty fundamental christian environment like predominantly conservative my parents uh probably voted democrat until uh bush came around and then and voted republican for like the rest of their lives and acted like they had always voted republican and so (laughs) like you know um like well around that same time i i like specifically remember um i had a social studies class around that time where we would like sit and watch Fox news every day. Like it would play in the background, Mm -hmm. even like, even when he was teaching, it would just be like on mute. And so like, that would be going all the time. And so like that was happening while I was also listening to this album and like maybe only like tangentially getting, uh, you know, a lot of, like I understood like American idiot is like pretty self-explanatory and like holiday even too, but like not, maybe not fully grasping all of the like all of the like anti-war all of the like anti you know iraq war stuff that was be like on display in that album so that but there was that you know just kind of like this idea of like political discontent um and and 
that that whole aspect so that was interesting um music has like a storytelling device out like more so than like just a single song telling a story having this kind of rock opera that tells a, a story throughout the whole album that was very new to me um having songs that were longer than four minutes you know like there, I, I like there were songs that were nine minutes long on that thing you know and it's just like that was new to me i you know just this it shattered like a lot of like my conceptions of what music was which just i think just kind of shows how like sheltered i was musically my parents you know didn't talk about the music that they liked very much or they they didn't listen to, to music around me very much they weren't very that wasn't you know really what their passions were and so they never really shared that with me and so this was me kind of like finding all those things myself all through this one album and so um you know i actually went back and listened to it again today um because it's been a while since i listened to it and it's, it's like really funny it's been a no 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 that was that was last time we yep (laughs) yeah um but uh, um you know it's it's funny the album i think has like been memed to death at this point and the idea of this kind of you know very rebellious rage against the excesses and uh, hypocrisies of america is maybe undercut by just like how successful it was and it was turned into a Broadway show and, you know, very, very like commercially successful and Green Day, I think like never really came back after that. I, you know, I think they arguably peaked there. They tried to do it again with 21st century breakdown and then uh, they've like never really kind of come back since. And I think of them and, in a similar light to like Weezer in that way. But at the same time, I kind of like respect them a little bit more because. Fuck you. <laughs> I think I do because like, no, well, okay. Cause I mean, at least uh, they were trying to like say something legitimate and real and Weezer just, you know, I don't know what Rivers Cuomo is doing at this point. He still wants to sing about Yang gang. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um and and i still think that the old album holds up pretty well it's still like really good it's a it's very earnest in some parts which i am a generally earnest person so i can get behind that um and some of those songs still just like they hit really they hit they hit good they're i, I won't quite say they slap but some of them <laughs> almost still slap some of them slap I, I yeah. think those med I think those medleys really slap. Those medleys are very good. Like especially like in the middle where you've got like um 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 like extraordinary girl and and the song that's paired with that and the one right before it. I'm I'm like blanking on the titles right now because again it's like been so long since I listened to it. Today was Let's the today. Like, first time. <laughs> well, I meant like the first yeah. like I'm today was the I'm first just time. I'm just yeah. Um, but yeah, so American idiot, um, it's good. Jesus of suburbia. That was very, of course I was listening to the edited version of this. I should clarify. <laughs> I, I own the, the censored version. Was that um, purchased at a Walmart? It was definitely purchased at a Walmart for sure. Um, actually, you know what? I don't think I actually purchased this album. This is another first. I think this was the first album that I pr- 
prime that I downloaded the entire thing. But you downloaded uh, the censored version. <laughs> yeah, of course I did. I wasn't gonna listen to the. They said you know the F word a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. imagine if yeah. Zach's give, four years. Give me, give me Nova Kane. She's a rebel. Extraordinary girl. Letter bomb. That was the sequence that I was thinking of. Um, yeah, very good to me. I think I have listened to this album once, maybe. Maybe. Oh, man. Really? Here's the thing. Look at Mr. Too Cool for School. No, 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 no. That is that is not it at all. Um, so I feel like I, I mean, I was ride or die with Green Day when I was younger. And I, I think that, um, like, two of their best albums are, like, Insomniac and uh, Warning, which are not, like, the super popular ones, whatever. So it wasn't like I, I was. I love Warning. Yeah, it wasn't like I was against Green. It wasn't like I had turned off from Green Day before that, where I was like, "I'm too cool for this." Honestly, and, and again, like I, in 2004, I was fucking campaigning for Dennis Kucinich. So, so the messages of American Idiot were like right up my alley, right? It wasn't like I was a, a young conservative boy or something and didn't like that part of it. I just felt like, I felt like they weren't particularly good messengers for the message they were trying to send and i just felt like i like i i I, i'm happy they're doing this this ain't for me and i just never really sought it out yeah that's fair i mean i can also see it was very popular so i can see that being not appealing to you where you were then i I didn't really (laughs) i mean because i was a snob yeah i mean but I was also like, yeah, and I don't mean that negatively. No, like, no, no, I, I had understand. that phase too. No, eventually, I like, um, I, I, yeah, so I like, I understand that. But I mean, I was, I don't think I really cared about that. I, I just think it seemed very, like, it seemed very easy to make an anti-Bush album in 2004. One of the things I talked about with a friend of mine recently was just like yeah. the idea of like, I don't think that anyone on this call especially in 2020 is like putting on Rage Against the Machine records, but. I will say that, like, writing super political songs during the Clinton administration when the overall feeling was like, we're, we're doing great. Like, that is way harder than writing political songs in during the Bush administration, right? Like, For sure. Yeah. Like you, Can what? I push back a little bit on that? Because, because... Well, here's the... Here's when, the here's when, they would have, when they would have been writing that, he was... He was kind of revered even by both sides a little bit. Because... No way. No way. I mean, mm, maybe... I actually think Vince is. I mean, I was very young then, and I'm 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 actually I'm <laughs> learning a lot of this stuff after the fact, like over the last like four years or so. Um, but I think Vince might be right. As the like, only one like who could vote, 9/11. as the only one who could vote in 2004, I think I have a slightly more accurate remembrance. <laughs> of this. In 2002, Vince, you are absolutely right. In the first half, but you're of an East Coast elite. I, I was living in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was is, I was living in a Rust Belt city at this time. Um, Brian, which is when they would have been writing the songs, probably. But, but what I'm saying is what, what, I, what I'm saying is like once once he invaded Iraq in the beginning of 2003, you saw this like massive change in people. So I think that by and, and even before then, even if people not in the media though, not not in the mass media who are very much behind it all. I mean. I don't know if I necessarily agree with again. Like, I mean, look what look what look what happened to the Dixie Chicks. <laughs> well, that yeah. was a, that was a couple yeah, years later. Honestly, yeah, a couple years later. But um, but I I just feel like in and also that was in the that was in country music circles. That wasn't like in punk rock circles, right? Um, 
but wow. I, but, but but it's all pop music. It so. is all pop music, yes. But but what I would say is just like I feel like um, like if you went up to the average nineteen year old at a Green Day show in two thousand four and said like, "Are you for President Bush?" They would have said no. Even if overwhelmingly their parents would have said yes or whatever, I think they would have said no. Whereas I think if you went to where if you went to a Rage Against the Machine show in 1995 and were like, "Are you pro Clinton?" they would say yes, and you know, um, and that was just it was much harder to push left when everybody. It's like it's like with with Obama. I think that some of the most biting criticisms of Obama came from the left because it was hard to because the, the perception was that everything is good. Obama's in charge. You know, and so so my point was that I just felt like this this was a very simplified, very easy to swallow political message. It didn't it didn't offer any solutions. Not that it has. Which was to, why it was nice for for it was nice for fourteen fifteen year old Zach oh, for yeah. that reason. And I'm sure it was nice for a lot of people for that reason. Again, it just it, it yeah it just seems to me like I, I respect what they're doing. It's not for me. Mazel tov, Green Day. Um, a few a few quick notes before we move on. Um. The, after I listened to this, this was like, I I think the only Green Day song I knew before this was Time of Your Life, which I really liked. And I meant to go back and check when that song came out. Do either 1999. Okay, so maybe, I would have been like 10 years old. Maybe late 98. Yeah. Yeah, so I would have been like 10 years old when that came out. And I, I remember even as a 10-year-old boy that filling me with like a very, like, you know, a, a very strong sense of like sadness and world weariness. Shit, I'm sorry. Um, 97 that album came out. Late okay. 97. When I was eight years old, or <laughs> n- probably like nine by the time it, it made it onto the radio. Um, so I had been I I had been familiar with Green Day through that, but then um, after this album came out, I went and picked up their International Super Hits, mm-hmm. the collection, which I, is just a fantastic listen. Yes, it um, is. All killer. Um, and then um, one other thing. Oh, I, I had just always assumed uh, Wake Me Up When September Ends was about 9-11, but I was reading about it today, and it was actually about uh, Billy Joe Armstrong's dad passing away when he was a kid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which happened in, in September. I, I will say one thing that is sure to set off some controversy here, which is that the third best Green Day album came out after American Idiot. Wow, is it, is it one of those Uno Dos Trey? No, it, 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 it's it, the it's the Foxborough Hot Tub. Yes, it is the Foxborough Hot Tub. Oh, album. okay. Yeah. That I I don't. Yes, you're right. That's correct. It's really good. Yeah, good. I I I didn't think about that in terms of Green Day albums, but yes, I. Yeah, that's a good album. Yeah, it goes. I, I don't know if it'll show Dookie, up in my 2007 list, but. Uh, 2008. Thank you very much. Was it eight? Okay, it was my freshman year of college. Okay. All right, Vince, what's your second album? Uh, Zach stole my thunder. It's American Idiot. So okay. and 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 he stole my story. Basically, everything he said is exactly what I would have said, right down to like the, um, you know, conservative upbringing and 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 trying to break out of that. My my parents though, like you could play an album for them and they would not listen to any of the words or have any idea what they were saying. So. <laughs> So like I, I easily got away with that one, but um, 
Um, so instead of saying anything that Zach already said, I'm just oh, going to say... Oh, I'm sorry. I stole it all from no, 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 me. No, 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 no. You no, could have were... just said, oh, we'll talk about that later. You... <laughs> <laughs> you were great. You were better than I would ever be. So all I'm going to say is it's almost time to wake up the guy from Green Day. Almost. <laughs> he actually doesn't like that. I know. I know, but that's... There was a while when I think... I think it was Fart on Twitter, uh, John Hendren. I, I'm, like, every day... For, for a year, not every day, but like at random at random times throughout the year, he would tweet, time to wake up the guy from Green Day. <laughs> when it was like, not September, not October, just right. any time of year, time to wake him up. It's good. It's a good joke. It's a good bit. He's long retired it. <laughs> um, oh, I forgot. Ryan. Can Go I come up to you one more time? Because there was one more, thing I wanted to, one more thing I wanted to say. Um <laughs> Are you are you guys familiar with uh, Legion of Doom? Not the DC property, but the mashup artist. No, I don't believe not, so. No, no. I think this was like a 2006, 2007 thing. Um, but there's a mashup of uh, Boulevard of Broken Dreams and some. Uh, crap what was the other song i should have looked this up before so it's a brand new song um from their from dejan tendu uh oh yeah they're they're canceled things, but um quite, yeah i know they're canceled but quiet things no one ever knows um and there was a mashup of that song and I cannot tell you how many times I've listened to that stupid song. <laughs> that sounds it sounds good, but it also sounds very uh No, no, I'm actually mixing up two things. Okay. I'm mixing up two things. There were two songs on that album. The the quiet things that no one ever knows was matched up with uh with um uh dashboards um oh, crap, the were you the Legion of Doom, Zach? Did Maybe. you do this? What's what's the dashboard song about infidelity? Screaming infidelities. Screaming, yeah, yeah, it's mashed up with screaming infidelities. Boulevard of Broken Dreams was mashed up with some Oasis song that, I, and I can't remember what that oh, was. Oh, two days. Yeah, it's um, yeah. Wonderwall. It yeah, is Wonderwall. No, it is yes, Wonderwall. It's for it sure is Wonderwall. Wonderwall. Okay, because yeah. they're the same song, basically. They are the same yeah. song. Yeah, I uh, listened to that mashup a lot. There's an REM song off of Out of Time called Country Feedback that is pretty much exactly the chord progression to uh, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, but like 12 or 13 years beforehand. I never thought of it before until I heard uh, Scott Ackerman once sing Boulevard of Broken Dreams over it, and it's now ruined Country Feedback for me. <laughs> uh, any other American <laughs> idiot thoughts? No, I don't guess so. They just keep coming, though. Vince? No, I'm good. I'm spent. All right. Um, so in 2004, one of the things I, – I think it might have actually started in 2003, but it was my first experience in 2004. I got my first iPod, um, and I bought a couple of albums off iTunes. I was never somebody who bought a ton of albums off iTunes. I would, at the time, rather have had a physical CD still, and now I would rather uh, buy it from someplace that is not DRM protected or whatever. Um, so I buy a lot from Bandcamp, whatever. But there, there was about a year there where I was buying a bunch of stuff I couldn't find easily, um, you know, on iTunes. And so I believe it was the second full album I ever bought on iTunes 
was Funeral by the Arcade Fire. Um, that mm-hmm. is my second pick. That is the only good Arcade Fire album. I will not hear it uh, otherwise. Shut up. Why, why do you do this? Bible so much better. It's not. It's oh, God, on par. It's no, it's, it's not. It's on par. Yes, it is. It's it's more consistent uh, than Funeral, but Funeral has higher highs easily. Um, All right. There is not you, a single... You're the one who had to... You're the one who had to say that to trigger Zach and I to freak out on you. So if that's the way this discussion is going, it's your fault. I was just going to say, there is no Arcade Fire song better than any of the four Neighborhood songs or Wake Up. Those are the five best Arcade Fire songs. Mm-hmm. You know I'm right. <laughs> no, keep the car running. No cars go. They're both, They're both up there. The four neighborhoods and wake up. Especially no cars go. I'll tell you this. Arcade Fire's live show is so good now because because what they do at the end of the show most of the time, basically, is play uh, like neighborhood neighborhood number one. They play neighborhood number three. Then they play Rebellion Lies and Wake Up. And they just like it's like those four songs in a row. And it's they're such bangers. Um, I mean, you're not wrong, Brian, but but Neon Bible is good. It's good. I don't, could, don't, don't say Funeral is the only good album. I mean, I think Neon Bible and The Suburbs each have like a third to a half of a good album in there. But I just feel like it just gets into such like overblown territory. I oh, feel like geez. I feel like fi- uh, Funeral just doesn't doesn't do that. It just it keeps everything a little bit more concise and, and not not concise like time wise just like i feel like it's just it's a more focused album mm, just okay just just keep keep saying keep talking about it i'm not gonna argue with you anymore uh but for me so this was um this was at the height of of like uh, I, you know zach was talking about being aware of music criticism this was like I know this is probably two or three years after like the real height of Pitchfork, but I feel like this is when I was at my like Pitchfork reading heights. Um, and and other places like the Tiny Mixtapes was a place like that. I think Stereo Gum was starting to emerge around this time, uh, but I, I really cared about that sort of stuff at the time, and so I was reading a lot of reviews. And this was like on a this was on a, a Canadian le- label. They were Canadian. It wasn't super easily available. I wasn't in the at this time. I I was I wasn't buying a lot of records through the mail, though I did that sort of for smaller labels. But I remember being like prohibitively expensive to buy this album at the time when it first came out because you had to have it imported from Canada. Uh, and and I had I had it's one of those albums I had read a lot about but hadn't heard anything from. And I, I sought out one or two songs and liked it enough to um, to pick it up. And this was like the only thing I listened to for a month or so. I feel like I was. This was just in the la- in like November of two thousand four. I just walked around listening to this on my brand new iPod everywhere I went. Uh, <laughs> this is the soundtrack to that fall for me. And uh, I still to this day when my I set my cell phone alarm wake up as the song that wakes me up every morning nice yeah uh yeah i mean that album whips um and yeah those those songs you talked about are all so good live and and they're 
they they can dine out they can dine out on that album for the rest of their lives for good reason you know um yeah yeah it's it's a titan i remember seeing i remember my first exposure to them was seeing them on snl in like 2006 or 7 or something it was a couple of years after i believe it was for neon bible actually um and I remember hearing I remember hearing their name because I, I would read things online and, and see them, but I never listened to them. And I saw them on SNL and I'm like, who are these fucking weirdos? <laughs> and uh but now I love I love their music and um yeah. But but at that point I was like Who are these people? <laughs> I, I will say, and this is I'm not trying to trigger you guys, the second best arcade fire album is the first Will Butler solo album policy I really, I really like that album a lot it's it's good but come on i've, I've not listened to it yeah. i'm honestly i'm not the biggest arcade fire guy so neither am i really this is sort of the one album for me as we've established time and time again here um but yeah that's that's my second pick so uh zach take us home with your number three oh, man i'm so glad i get to follow up with your um five star on tiny mixtape reviewed 9.7 on <laughs> pitchfork album with my sound of that that fall um <laughs> which i'm like i really did not have a good third album to put here because like i said i i did not listen to a lot of like song albums from 2004 that year the only one that i could really think of that i did listen to a lot to my own detriment is uh simple plan still not getting any <laughs> that uh, rocks. that's good yeah um i did not listen to that today i i take that back i li- i clicked through a few songs and my takeaway is and this is something that i'll probably talk about more in a later episode um but you can find all the evidence for the impending incel movement in like (laughs) mid two thousands pop punk. Yeah. It's all there. It's all there. Like laid bare right in front of you. And, and we just didn't see it coming. You should write a thesis on this. Maybe this podcast is your thesis. Yeah. The podcast is my thesis, but yeah, I mean, there, there were some songs on there. I really liked it. It was very emo. I, definitely felt all those feelings like no one understands me it's me against the entire world <laughs> maddie just looked at me and said you still feel like that <laughs> you have your pod bros now we understand you oh i found my fellows uh but yeah i listened to that album quite a bit and i specifically remember listening to it brian you mentioned sound of fall i remember listening to it on the way to and from like a, a corn maze or something that me and some of my friends went to. And so, um, yeah, that's my, that's my sound of, of autumn 2004 is uh, simple plan. Still not getting any. Are either of you guys familiar with the writer? I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, Hanif Abdurakib. Yes. Yeah. I saw him at Eau Claire. Okay. Read, read, reading some of his poetry here. I am not. So yeah, yeah. I, I have his book on my nightstand right now. I'm making my way through. I'm trying to read one story a night. It's called "They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us." It's a book of, of music journalism, and he talks a lot about what you're talking about, Zach. Just sort of like the 
misogynistic incel uh sort of messages in pop punk and emo in the in the aughts yeah it's 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 bad book it's bad yeah but it's it's an excellent book i'm Uh, sure it is highly recommended uh again i'm sure i've heard a simple plan music i cannot name a song oh i'm sure you have i'm sure yeah I have. there the the album that preceded this one i think was probably their more well-known one um it came out in like 2002 or 2003 i can't remember vince what's your uh, uh what's your you guys i got the perfect song for the kids to sing <laughs> it's uh Kanye West, the college dropout. Um I <laughs> what's that? No, I just I, I I'm reminiscing about a time when it was okay to like Kanye. Yeah. Well and it was it was interesting because like I could I could sneak Kanye in because uh because of Jesus Walks, right? <laughs> Zach, you know what I'm talking about. Uh no, I actually don't because <laughs> no, like... I... I specifically did not like. I had a cousin <laughs> because who, that's because that's who, blasphemy, who like, right? Yeah, he was like, "Hey, check this out. Listen to this Jesus walks song. He's singing about Jesus." And I'm like, "No, he can't do that. You can't do that." They let him do that, um, and so <laughs> buddy, I, I did not listen to Kanye. Buddy, they don't <laughs> let me do that. Um, so that that was my initial like very uh, um, you know hand wringing. Uh, old lady response to Kanye. Um, although I would come around by late registration, but yeah. Well, I was listening to this one pretty much from the beginning. I'll, I'll never forget. I went and bought this and I bought, uh, Nas's, uh, streets disciple <laughs> on the same day. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was not into rap other than like what, what you would hear through MTV or what, like I didn't have any albums at that point, but like for whatever reason that day I was like, I am going to get into rap music. (laughs) And I went to the store like specifically to seek out those two albums. And I listened to them constantly in my car. Uh, Did I mention the, did I mention the Cadillac with the 10 disc changer in the trunk? You did. Yeah. You did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, what do you I, drive I now, Vince, by the way? A, a Toyota RAV4. Okay. <laughs> I'm curious. a dad now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I bumped Kanye a lot that year, and I knew uh, pretty quickly, like, what I would be able to play around other people and what I couldn't, you know, so much so that, like, I could like skip exact parts in tracks when I felt like I needed to. Um, I didn't, I didn't buy the edited version basically is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Um, and man, that album is still good. That that's an all timer. It always will be no matter, uh, (laughs) he can't take it from us. He can't take take it from us. That's right. Oh, you're, you're right. It is good. And I said, I said, I said that I didn't give Kanye a chance until late registration, but I, I did not know that 
Slow Jams was Kanye. Oh, oh man. For like a long time and so figured that bad. out much later. And then, yeah, that song is great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to me, I, little Anita. Kanye's career is pretty easy to group into like different eras. And I would say that College Dropout is like my second favorite of the first era. Mm-hmm. I think I think late What's, registration is number one for me of that era. That one gets a little overstuffed for me. I, mean, I get that too, actually. I think I think that was the one that like when it came out, I was uh, like I I picked it up like probably day of release or right after. So I feel like I just I have a lot of memories of like hanging out to that album. It's just it, it's a good I have good memories around that album, but I have I can't remember the last mm-hmm. listened to any of those early ones actually. But yeah, um, all right. My my final pick is the most obvious one. I'm surprised you guys didn't like start the show telling me. So when are you gonna talk about Seven Swans? But here we are <laughs> ta- talking about Seven Swans by Steve Van Stevens, whose new album, The Ascension, drops on Friday. We are all very excited about it. We'll be doing a bonus episode about that. So get ready, haters. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, so I losers. Yeah, exactly. I had. Um, I had sort of discovered Sufjan in the like, – I think it was I, – I know the records arrived at my apartment on, like, February 15th or 16th of 20, 2004. I remember specifically when, those, when like, my package from Asmetic Kitty Records arrived. Um, it was the day after my then-girlfriend, now-wife, left. She was visiting me, and she went back to California – and I was depressed, and the package came, and I was like, maybe this music will lift my weary soul. And then I put on uh, Michigan, and I got so depressed I cried <laughs> for hours, and it was wonderful. <laughs> um, but, no, uh, you know, Seven Swans came out in February, I believe, of 2004, and uh, it it remains my favorite um, Sufjan album, I believe. Uh, that changes in front of well, well documented on this podcast. Yes, yes. Uh, well, well, well documented, and um, that's for a few reasons. I was uh, again, I, I was graduating from college with a degree in theology, and here is this like album about about Jesus and feeling sad, and it sounded awesome. And I am a real sucker for a polymath. Somebody does a lot of things, and like he played almost all the instruments on this album. And it was recorded by Daniel Smith, who I also adore from the Danielson family. It was recorded in New Jersey, which is plus one for anything uh, in my book. And, uh, yeah, I just think that this this album is such a vibe. It, it has such a consistency to it, which I think some people might not like about it. But I think that sometimes Sufjan albums can be a bit, as Vince just said, overstuffed, maybe, or, or scattered. And this is like his purest, most focused record probably ever, at least until maybe Carrie and Lowell came out. Um, and yeah. And I, the Ascension looks very much to not be that. So. Yes, it, it looks very much to not be that. And again, I, I, I like the overstuffed Sufjan too, but this is where I sort of come back to um, at the end of the day. I think the best tracks for me, I really like the last, the run that goes from, is it like... Uh, I want to make sure I'm getting these right. It's actually been a minute since I listened to it straight through. Um, yeah, from A Good Man is Hard to Find 
the He Woke Me Up Again, the Seven Swans to the Transfiguration. That's that's the Gabagool right there. That's Gabagool, yeah. You're not, yeah. not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, and also, like, I, I feel like a song like To Be Alone With You was <laughs> was just uh, a, a, a mind-blowing thing for me. Zach and I have talked about this in the past. I think we all talked about this, how it was like it was odd to hear like it was odd to hear indie rock that was so like um i mean there's obviously always been music that was spiritual in nature but this felt extremely personal and spiritual i feel like in a way that Mm -hmm. it it wasn't anthemic at all it wasn't worship music where it's supposed to get ten thousand teenagers clapping in unison to something like this was this was a private prayer it sounded like and that was yes. very, that that was very appealing to me at the moment, um, and still is to a certain degree. So yeah, that's my third album, Seven Swans by Sufjan Stevens. Any very se- nice. Any Seven Swans thoughts we haven't talked about on our prior episodes? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, so what are some of the other albums you guys were listening to, and then what are some of the albums that you would uh, recommend looking back on the year now? Uh, well, honking on Bobo for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, that time we all honked on Bobo together. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess ones ones that now would would fit the bill as as my some of my favorites. Um, <laughs> listen to the, hey, hey, honk on Bobo on your own time. Oh, um, I will. <laughs> Um, Arcade Fire Funeral, Sufjan, obviously. Uh, Modest Mouse, good news for people who love bad news. Uh, Joanna Newsom, The Milk-Eyed Mender was this year. Yes. Uh, Regina Spector's Soviet Kitsch, and Mm. The the Fiery Furnace's Blueberry Boat would round my picks out. Uh, There's a theme there in that they're all uh, twee indie albums for (laughs) weirdos. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, did I? I told you guys my modest mouse story last time, right? Yes. Uh, t- tell it. Tell us again. I don't remember if I told it on the podcast. I want to hear. Or if it, it was off the air. Oh, I don't want to tell it again if I told it on the podcast. No one's listening. <laughs> Someone's listening. <laughs> Basically, I bought that album because I really liked uh, "Float On" a lot, and. Uh, that is that album, right? That is that album. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I bought that album with uh, with my own dollars, went to the store and bought it. It was not censored, let me tell you, because <laughs> uh, I got to the one song. And again, you, you had to tell me what it was. I can't remember what the name of it was because I only listened to it precisely one time. Um, but at the end of the song, he screams, I'm my own damn God. And I t- took the CD out of the CD player and I put it back in its case. And I said, I, can, uh, I cannot listen to this again. <laughs> That's the devil's work day, yep. Yep. My own damn God. That's right. Um, uh, so there you go. Um, but some of my albums from that year. Uh, so, you know, we've already mentioned College Dropout and Seven Swans. Those are things that I would discover later. Um, I am remiss that I was not able to talk about Hot Fuss in this episode because I did not listen to it in 2004. But through Legal Loophole, I am going to find a way to talk about it next time. Spoilers. Um and I 
cannot wait to gush over that. Um, I didn't pick it this time because I had picked a Linkin Park album last time, <laughs> but I have to mention uh, Linkin Park and Jay-Z's Collision Course, which I was listening to heavily at that time um, and is still good. And I'm not ashamed. And uh, the only other thing that I would mention that hasn't been mentioned so far is uh, Tegan and Sarah's So Jealous came out that year, which I would discover um, after getting into their next album, The Con. Yes. The Con con is king. Absolutely. The Con is king. So Jealous is really good, too. Honestly, um, the con so jealous and the album right before so jealous um which i'm blanking on the name right now um if it was you those three albums are fantastic to this day Mm -hmm. uh so some other 2004 albums i'd recommend uh joanna newsom the milk-eyed mender uh ac newman the slow wonder the first carl newman solo Mm -hmm. record Ben Queller, I was a big Ben Queller guy in mm. college. On my way, his second solo record, uh, Iron and Wine, our endless number days. That's still a very, very good album. Uh, David Byrne from Talking Heads, his album Grown Backwards is really, really great from that year. Uh, my favorite album from that year, looking back, probably is uh, A Ghost Is Born by Wilco, right behind Seven Swans. Um, Magnetic Fields, I. That was, I, I think, that was actually the first record I bought on iTunes. Uh, Camper von Beethoven's reunion record, New Roman Times. Uh, and that's probably it, yeah. Magnetic Fields, that's good. That I album is really under... I feel like people talk about 69 Love Songs, rightly so, and some other stuff, but that I album is really good. No, I think I, think I Distortion, and Realism are the like albums I've listened to the most. Um, although I guarantee you'll never guess the... Uh, first magnetic field song that i heard that made me a a fan of of the band okay hang on i'm gonna do this give me the year you heard it uh 2007 was it new at that time no was it in a movie or tv show i don't know that's not how i heard it is that how you heard it the luckiest guy on the lower east side nope uh, I think I did a new heart. No. California Girls. No. It was 100,000 Fireflies off of Distant Plastic Trees. Wow. Their first album. How did you hear that song? I don't know. Wow, okay. <laughs> I don't remember. It was on like a mix that somebody gave me. I think it might have been like... I, I honestly don't remember. Um. But it's funny because it's so different than every like pretty much all of their later stuff that I would eventually listen to. But uh, I heard that song and just loved it. So yeah, I have a friend who claims they haven't been good since Charm of the Highway Strip, and he's wrong. That's a good album, but they've done good stuff since then. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, our first 52 episode. And uh, we won't be talking about music with you guys until two weeks from now. So enjoy the rest of it. <laughs> and uh, good night.
you should leave that in. You should. This is a riff that we're you're gonna do. Twenty thousand is a lot more than two thousand comics. Let me tell you.